Brad, I need an opinion. All right. Opinion on what? I bought something that I kind of feel like maybe I should be embarrassed about, but uh, but I'm not sure. If it's <laughs> if it's opinion about embarrassments, you've come to the right place. Okay. So I bought a new, my watch band, I had one of the, the, the woven solo loop watch bands for my Apple watch. I've had it for a little bit more than a year. And as all the reviews said, it stretched out. Oh, is this the Apple made one? This is the Apple it? made one. Yeah, this is the braided solo loop, which is my favorite watch band ever that I've had for the Apple watch. But I've had to uh, uh, the first one I bought, I had to size down immediately because I was like, this is too big. Even after using all their size stuff, the second one lasted for a year. But now taking it on and off every day to charge, it's stretched out. And um, I, I mean, I do have slender, slender, delicate wrists, really? and kind of large hands. Oh, I wouldn't have expected that. But OK, I mean, look, they're they're You know, this is a great podcast, but, you know, the hand size to wrist ratio is 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 large. Oh, um, I wasn't expecting to get into hand hand phrenology on this look, podcast. <laughs> look, we don't believe in phrenology here. That's our official policy. Yes. Uh, but so I was looking at watch bands and I often if I'm buying a watch band for like a single use thing, like, for example, I want to be able to wear my watch when I'm swimming in the pool and mm-hmm. counting laps or something. Right? right. Then I'll go to Amazon and I'll buy the $10 knockoff cheapo watch band. But if I'm buying something that's going to be the new daily wear and I want something that's comfortable enough to sleep in, I tend tend to go for the the Apple brand ones because I sure. find them to last a little better. Yeah. Sensible. So I was looking at watch bands. And I was like, I want an orange one. And the only orange one that they have right now is the Apple Watch Ultra band. Wait, the Ultra bands are different than regular bands? Well, then uh, they they're bands that only ship with the Ultras. They only ship with. But I they see. fit the big normal uh-huh. Apple Watch. Uh-huh. So Am I a horrible poser <laughs> by putting an Apple Watch Ultra, like an obviously Apple Watch Ultra watch band on my non Apple Watch Ultra? Okay, I don't I don't want to just kill this cold open before it's even started, but I'm just going to say, even if you are, you're not half as bad as anybody who would care that you did that. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. I'm Brad. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. to, to, Let's. Okay. I know this isn't a video podcast, but if you just want to show the class your watch band, we can actually talk about the band. It's orange. It has a little titanium hook on the bottom. I bought the Alpine one with the with the loops. It's um, rugged. It's 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 light is what I liked about it. And it's it's comfortable enough that I think I'll actually sleep with it on. Oh, that's um, right. You are a watch sleeper. I forgot. We've, we've talked about that before. I don't understand how that's possible, but I know exactly how much sleep I've gotten every night for the last 400 days. OK, the, from the from a biometric standpoint, I can see how it would be nice. But from a like there's a foreign object on me while I'm asleep standpoint, I'm not so sure. Do you know how many times I've actually consulted that information to see how much sleep I've gotten? How many? Never. I do. <laughs> I do get a little notification that's like, hey, you hit your sleep goal last night. That's so cool. I like Wait. that. Hang on. Is there a hidden fourth ring? There's not a hidden fourth ring. There oh, should, they should give you a sleep ring. Sleep is important. I wish that either they would add more rings or they would give you like customization. I wish that you could like, like, for example, they have a little meditation app. I wish you could yeah. do a meditation ring. You know, I wish there were a little more control over. That's uh, a, 
that's a really good suggestion. I like the meditation app. I find like often pretty, pretty like I, I use the meditation app more than I ever thought I would. The, um, the, but the sleep thing, I set the sleep stuff up in Apple health years ago and then never used it when I had the phone, but with the watch, I use it all the time. Um, and it, it like, I don't know. I feel good when it's like, Hey man, you've done four, five days in a row where you hit your sleep goal five days. That that's, that seems good. That's Did not good. hit the sleep goal last night. Uh-oh. Sadly. Uh-oh. Yeah, Uh-oh. I know. But, um, is that, does that happen on streaming nights? I saw that you, you or wait, did you stream last night? I, I, Friday night, I usually stream. Yeah. Friday okay. night, I usually play some Fortnite with my friends. But do you go to like midnight generally? Yeah. When I used to do PUBG customs, I always went to midnight as we've gotten older and a couple of my friends are in, uh, that I play with are in central time. So they go to bed a little bit earlier sometimes these days. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I find if I play, especially like multiplayer with people, but just if I, if I stay up too late playing games, it kind of sabotages my ability to sleep for a while. So, um, in the early days of a game that I'm learning, if I get really cranked up about it, then I definitely have that. Once I've kind of like when the meta is, is, is established and I understand what I'm into, I don't, I don't get the adrenaline highs. It's not, nothing ever compares to the, to the like 2017 PUBG. I I stayed up until two o'clock in the morning, PUBG playing PUBG and oh shit, I'm not going to fall asleep until 5am now because I'm too tuned up. That, that, that 1.45am chicken dinner is, uh, oh God, it's so good. Yeah. Um, one, one last thing. First of all, I promise we did not set out to do an all Apple episode here. It's kind of just trending that way, although I think the, the core topic is a little broader than just Apple. But I do have one other uh, watch thing to mention. Yeah. I've had the most triumphant moment since I got this watch. Uh huh. I got a health notification the other day that said, hey, your cardio recovery has improved. Ooh, like I've been trying to do a lot of exercise the last couple months and it straight up was like cardio recovery is just sort of like. Once you reach elevated active heart rate, yeah. how fast it comes back down. That's which awesome. I guess, I guess is one measure of your overall health. Yeah. And it was just like, like, cause I had been staring at my VO two max. I don't know if you, do you ever yeah. dig into the health stuff? I often think about my VO two max. <laughs> Doesn't everybody. Yeah. Uh, what is that? I forget. That's something it's like oxygen. Ox- it's the oxygenation capacity of your efficiency for yes. oxygen or something. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I guess like higher that is also the better, but still like my, this was not that, but still just, seeing a metric that is my physical function improve like that's possibly the the best type of number to see go up so when i got covid last year i was a little bit wobbly afterwards because like i i was i i got the real tireds and it it gave me the hey we've noticed your walking steadiness (laughs) has decreased Uh Uh (laughs) i was like oh no yes it thinks i'm 90 i know watch thinks i'm really old i did i got this thing just in time to measure the gradual decline to senescence i think they should probably they maybe they should build into siri the ability to be like hey i've been ill hey this is going on maybe don't scold me quite as much right now yeah like, like i would say the you know vigorous 29 minute exercise right now would let you close your activity ring for the end of the day and when I was when I was laying there coughing up three lungs, mm-hmm. I, it wasn't it wasn't great. That wasn't helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but uh, so what you're a, you're just a stock solo. The the you're just the normal the the standard watch band, right? The plastic one with the with the hooks. Yeah. What What is this? But silicone, I think is what it's it is. Silicone. Um, yeah. I, there is a name for this solo loop or the maybe, loop maybe is not. the one that stretches that doesn't oh, right. have the, the hooks. I, I forget what the name is. For I think this it's one. just this, the solo band. That might but, be right. Yeah. It's the one with a little metal stud that you just uh-huh. stick through the hole. Like I, 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 I got it thinking like, oh, that'll be my exercise band and I'll get something like more stylish. Yeah. Um, but I've just kind of stuck with it. 
I um I really like the uh I like the ones that don't have the clasps. Uh, I so the the other choice on this one was to get one of the ones that has the that's like the fold over Velcro, uh, sorry hook and loop closure. Mm-hmm. Apple says Wade. They don't say Velcro because it's not Velcro brand Velcro. Wade, is the word Velcro beneath Apple? No, Velcro is a registered trademark. Yeah. So is if they're really? not using Velcro brand Velcro, they'll use they'll, they call it hook and loop. I didn't know that was still a thing. Uh-huh. I, so uh, I, assume, I assume patents and everything expired ages ago. But I mean, but the the trademark is the trademarks are forever if you use them. Yeah. yeah. Now, now it's just reputation. Um. The uh. Yeah. So so that was the other choice was the was the the nylon. It was it was half the price. But I figured I'd try this one first. I was a little bit worried that the hook would scratch my lap, my <clears throat> like laptop or wrist rest or, or whatever. But it doesn't. My arms are long enough. It doesn't happen. To, it doesn't hit that way. So it's fine. Um, Wearable technology. It's kind of cool. Yeah. But now I'm an alpiner, Brad. I, I can right. go mountain climbing now. I have the right watch band. That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with the Apple. I mean, with the watch line going forward now that the now that the ultra is out there. Like, is that. Is that flat face going to trickle down to the regular line? I, I look the flat face. I, it's a, it, my next watch. I think is probably going to be an ultra. I, I would, I would bet I will, I will pony up the extra couple hundred bucks to get the, the fancy boy. I seriously considered it. It's very expensive, but the, the flat face and bigger screen were very appealing, even though I don't need any of the other features, but I just went with the regular. Well, the flat face and three day battery life is the, is the one Wait, for me. Three days, three days, oh my which, God. which if they say three days, that like they say my watch is a one day battery life. So that means I'd probably get five the way I use it. Huh. Um, okay. Anyway. I didn't realize the battery life was all right. Well, something yeah. to think about. But, for- but I mean, here's the thing. You, you came in not knowing if you even wanted a watch. Yeah, that was, so that was like, you, I, you dipped your toes in. I, I, where I landed was, I'm just going to get the most basic model that is the cheapest and see if I even like this. And it yeah. turns out it's very useful. Yeah, it's it's a handy thing. Um, I listened to uh, music on mine this morning while I was oh. laying in bed and I was like, I can't sleep. So I just grabbed my AirPods and jammed them in and okay. connected the AirPods to the watch and played music off of Apple Music from the watch. Streaming straight from the watch. Straight from the watch to the ears. Weird coincidence. I also finally uh, paired some Bluetooth headphones with my watch this week. I've been Ooh. trying to put podcasts on it because when I go out to walk or increasingly, I hopefully start running. Yeah. Nice to not have a big phone bouncing around in your pocket. Yeah, just, it turns out just because you want to play music or podcasts off of it. So, uh-huh. oh my god, getting podcasts directly onto this watch is a nightmare. Do you use Overcast? Yes, I. That was the only thing I could f- figure out to do. I, I typically just use the Apple Podcast app because it's there and it's good enough on the phone, but it's completely it's unusable not good enough for the yeah. watch. Completely, no, it's unusable. not good enough. The uh, overcast integration is pretty good in my experience. I think uh, you used to be able to just hit the thing and send it to it, but I don't think it works that way anymore. You, you can't. So you have to add it to a playlist on the phone. That's right. And you can manually download it, but it's like, OK, now you have to keep the face on for the next 20 minutes because it's a very slow download. And the time I tried that, it got 80 percent of the way there and failed. Um, the other option is basically just say like, hey, anything in the playlist, just sync it when it's on power. So that's what I've been doing, which is. Oh. That's a nice. little inconvenient, but at least it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about this week, though, Brad? Let's Apple. Uh, let's put all this Apple business aside. Yes. And talk about something totally not Apple related. Your, your iPad Pro. No, actually, like so we're going to we're going to talk about a sort of trip report now that you've been on an M2 iPad Pro for a few months. But I think also just b- more broadly, like, hey, this whole this 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 recent market segmentation of sort of tablet slash laptop hybrid foldable like this whole 
layer that now exists between traditional tablet and traditional laptop? Like, is that feasible? And I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I so um, end of last year, I was looking. I needed a laptop because my 2016 Razer uh, Razer uh, uh, Blade, the the the, it's like their MacBook Pro size case, but it's mostly filled with GPU and it has like a 40 minute battery. I'm guessing you bought that for VR demos. I bought that for specifically so I could do VR demos. Yeah, because I could carry that in a normal ass bag and it wasn't like an 18 inch gaming laptop that weighed 18 pounds or anything like that. Um, it was very loud, had terrible battery life. And I, I, I wanted I, I needed a new portable computer, not necessarily a laptop. So I needed something, you know, these days I work on a desktop PC in my at my desk. But when I'm traveling, often I can have something a lot lighter, like I'm doing presentations, stuff like that. Uh, I don't necessarily need the full, uh, you know, the full big boy computer. Um, so I looked at what was around. I kind of looked at surfaces a little bit because I, like, I really liked the, I think they called it the surface book, which was the laptop with the folding metal hinge from like 2013 to 2017. I think they stopped that middle of last decade. Um, but it, you could pop off the screen. It would be just a tablet. You could jam it in. It would be a laptop. Sure. It was expensive at the time, but the, the thing, the thing I, I realized when I was looking at this is I, I wasn't like I wasn't going to save money by doing an iPad Pro and a keyboard. Um, I, I was going to end up about the same as what I would spend on a MacBook Pro and, and so or, or or a comparable Windows laptop. So I need something to take on trips, but I also wanted something I could use around the house um, as like my sitting on the couch computing so i wouldn't be on my phone for for the entire time i was sitting out there because it hurts a lot of reasons not to be on your phone um i wanted something with real battery life because i was sick and tired of 40 minutes of battery on the razor uh i wanted a decent keyboard that i actually do some writing on because i do a fair amount of writing for for both work and and fun and like you know like i've done i've done show notes for this podcast on a touchscreen touchscreen keyboard before and it sucks it's not great yeah yes nobody wants to do that i think that's that's the aspect of this i'm the most interested in hearing about is the it's not a full laptop keyboard i guess it's maybe is it floppy i don't know like it's obviously it's not like the base of a laptop that's that's attaching to this thing but is that style of detachable keyboard like a valid replacement or not for a laptop that's the thing i'm curious about we can get into it um the uh and then the other thing is i wanted like i was curious about drawing because i do a fair amount of like the game design stuff we do a lot of drawing oh i didn't even think about that yeah yeah like like there's a lot of like hey i need to sketch something because it's just easier and since we're all virtual being able to pull out the ipad and sketch something real quick and then send it into teams or whatever is incredibly valuable to me yeah even even if you're not like an artist sketching an illustration i'm sure just like diagramming something out is is way faster yeah like like uh, say if we're if you're um trying to think of an example that's not real but like when we're when we're when you're diagram when i'm diagramming when i was diagramming out the how the um the f- the flow of the mall holdout was going to work. It was really nice to just be able to draw a vertical cylinder and then you know show that I wanted people to move from the bottom to the top or the different options and then see what people thought, right? Because it was it was one of those five hundred words or like three drawings sure. situations. Sure. Um. So yeah, I looked at everything that was out there. I didn't want a MacBook because no touchscreen. Um. And I and really, really, I didn't want a full PC. Because I didn't want the maintenance overhead of having another PC in the house. Because like with the with the razor, 
it's unwieldy and like I use it infrequently enough that when I did turn it on, it was always like, okay, I got to install 50 windows updates. I got to update Dropbox. It's got to download three terabytes of stuff from my Dropbox folder. I've got to update the video card drivers. I've got to update the sound. Like it was, it was like a two days before I go on a trip, I'd have to open it up and plug it in and just leave it running for a while and then come back and hit a couple of buttons and then leave it running for a while. Right. It was a pain in the ass. So I wanted something that was going to be convenient enough that I used it all the time, uh, which is why I ended up getting the iPad pro. And, and like when I started on this path, I went and read a bunch of the Mac sites and the takeaway from all of the Mac people, like the journalists who write about this stuff all the time is, man, it's really bullshit that the iPad isn't, as capable as the macbook like we should be able to run mac os on the ipad for what it costs oh they're talking from a sort of ux perspective and like you know what is the interface on this thing not specific not 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 a technical spec divide but more of a what does apple let you run on this sort of thing both kind of like it's like an ecosystem thing it's like they hey look these two things cost the same thing they're running basically the same hardware right why don't they, why can't you use, why, why don't they let the users choose? And I'm like, well, clearly you people who are writing about Apple for the last 30 years have never used an Apple product have before. Have you ever observed the functioning of the corporation Apple before? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, though, though the iPad's moving to the, the M series SOCs, I think is why this thing is actually, this is actually such an interesting topic now is that that only happened three ish year. When was the first M one? This is the second iPad, second iPad pro. Cause it's the right. M one iPad pro and then the M two iPad pros and that's it. And, and there there, is, there's also iPad airs with M ones as well. Oh, do the, do the airs have M's now? Yeah. Oh, the airs have kidding. M's now. So is that officially, I, I should maybe look this up. Is that all the iPads are now on M's instead of A's? Or? No. So the iPad, iPad and the iPad mini are still oh a 14s or a 12s. I think all the, the part, the part where the air is a like superior and more capable product to the regular. Like I can't get my head. Like, air to me sounds like light and fluffy and like baseline yeah. or minimal. So the air being the one that's more powerful just from a branding standpoint is, is weird anyway. Well, so the air comes, the air uses the same accessories as the pro that's the differentiator. Okay. So okay. like you, the, there's a version of the first rev of the Apple pencil works on the original, the iPad, iPad, the second rev works on the air and the pro, uh, same thing for the magic keyboard. It's the, if you get the right size iPad, the same magic keyboard will work with the iPad air and the iPad pro as well as the Apple pencil too. Okay. So, that's cool. And yeah, anyway, yes, as you say though, that, you know, high end iPads now have essentially the same horsepower. I mean, you know, with like battery life and, and clock speed differences or whatever, but basically the same thing that's in the laptops now. Yeah. And if you buy a iPad air pro with like a reasonable amount of space, like I bought the 256 gig model, which has eight gigabytes of Ram, uh, you can buy those up to like two terabyte versions now, which I assume are people are using in like the film industry. Jeez. Cause yeah. like if you, if you think about it, um, it's a, it's a pretty with the Thunderbolt port and all that, it's a pretty good way to, to um, like, it, it's a nice monitor for your film. Uh, like, like looking at large quantities of weird resolution and weird codec films. Sure. Yeah. Um. I don't and, know. and they go up to like 13 inch now is the biggest one. Is that right? 12, nine, I think oh, yeah, is the big okay. one. Yeah. Um, the, they, all the iPad air iPad pros have eight gigs of Ram until you get to the 16 gig version until the, you get to the two terabyte, one, one terabyte and two terabyte versions, which have 16 gigs. Wow. No kidding. God, that yeah. is like literally the guts of a laptop in there. That's wild. 
Yeah, the only difference is you have to buy the keyboard separately, which is expensive. It's like 300 bucks. What? I mean, yeah. I, I, again, Apple, but geez, man. Well, okay. So it's a keyboard and a stand, and it has the interface for plugging it in, and it has a backlit keyboard and the keyboard and a trackpad, and the keyboard's actually good, is the thing I'll say. It's not okay. like some janky touch keyboard or like a like the weird fabric things that they used to put on services 10 years ago. How does it does it interface wirelessly with the tablet? I assume it has. No, it's not. It has a physical connector. It does. Weird. There's like three little pins on the back of okay. the of the of the iPad and it connects to those and those provide power and data. So I, I'll, I'll just mention I have the I believe have the, 20, 2017 uh, iPad Pro. Like an A12 or A10, probably A9, A10, yeah, A10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. It's it was the yeah. last it was the last iPad Pro with the physical home button on it. Yeah, and you have the three connectors on and, the side yes, for that I, one. I, I, think, I do right? have the, yeah. the little three little dots there yeah. as well. It's the same same thing. Yeah, uh, you have an audio jack on yours. That's yes, fancy. Mine, mine, mine still has a headphone jack. Wow. Uh, so okay, so from an SOC perspective, the difference is that the M chips have eight cores, four big. Four little, um, I think they have more GPU cores than the A cores. The A cores, A series cores have six six CPU cores instead of eight, okay. and they're slower and and less capable. So, like when you look at benchmarks, it's a pretty significant jump, especially when you get to multi-threaded stuff. Uh, there's dual channel memory on the on the M chips versus single channel on the A chips, so it's like half memory bandwidth, uh, stuff like that. A is on a, sl- a bigger process node. They also. are the same process. Oh, if they you get are. the same generation now, but okay. I think they're both five nanometer now, but okay. But, but it's like the, looking at Geekbench scores and stuff like that. It was, it was, I mean, I don't think you would notice, but, uh, and realistically the choice I was making wasn't between the pro and the, and the iPad iPad. It was between the pro and the air probably. Um, but anyway, uh, so uh, the the other the difference from a user perspective though is that there's three kinds of multitasking on the pros. There's the old side by side stuff that's been on the iPad forever, where you can like open two windows and kind of change the ratio of screen allotted to each one. There's this thing called swipe um, swipe away uh, uh, screen slide. Sorry, <laughs> slide over. Sure, <laughs> where it like you can put like just the edge of the window on and go back to the desktop and open something else and then switch back and forth between them easily. That's one assuming that um, that I'm thinking about the same feature you are. That's one that I find myself fumbling into on my pro. Yeah. Quite often a bit. you hit the wrong button and that's where you end up. And then like, I, I haven't, I've never felt more like, I don't want to say like my parents, but just like, let's say the older generation that struggles with new technology mm-hmm. than I have stumbling into some of the newer iPad multitasking features of just like, well, why did, why did this window just, gets slid over to the, thir- uh, the one third of the screen instead of the whole screen. How do I dismiss this? How do I make it big? again? <laughs> what do I do? I just start flailing around. Well, and then the third one on the pros is stage manager. Okay. That's, which, and that's new, right? That's new. Yeah. Um, oh, new ish. I think it started with the M's. Um, oh, oh, I, I, maybe it's older on, um, the iPads. So I, I believe that just got rolled into Mac OS in the, in the last update last that, fall. That would make sense. It's basically replaces their multi desktop window manager thing. Uh, so you can have windows on top of each other on the iPad. Now you can have like multiple windows open. You can have a dock. What? what? You can have multiple sets of windows. You can have like, like last night when I was doing show notes, I had Firefox and, um, and the notes open in Google docs. And then I also had a procreate window and a settings window open on a different, like 
selection of windows and you can switch back and forth between them. It's really easy and really fast. And it lets me like it's, it is, it is janky in that it isn't as good as like using a real window manager with a mouse and keyboard on a, on a real computer, but it's, it's, I would describe it as pretty good for like tablet type use. Like I was pretty pleased. I was, when I figured out how to work it, I was pretty pleased with it. They don't explain it at all. You have to, I like, I had to go read some like a, like a, like a, um, Mac, uh, Mac world article or something to figure out what the fuck was going on there. Cause it was, it was a little bit confusing, but that sounds like a level of window management flexibility that is just approaching a traditional desktop os like that seems like the line the lines have never been blurrier yeah it, it still has some weird limits like it doesn't you don't have like full resolution control on the windows it still kind of snaps okay. to like sure. ipad-y or ios-y whatever but, resolutions okay. for the apps okay um, it was, but it's not it's not like there's only four of them there's a right. whole bunch like right. it's you you wouldn't notice if you were looking for that i think it was the part where you said you can have windows on top of windows that it was like oh this yeah. kind of is just the traditional desktop metaphor now well and then the other thing that's nice is they actually let you turn that on and off so it's in the control center that stage manager feature is in the control center and you can turn it off if you want you can also turn off showing the dock when you're in that huh. okay so like like the dock gives you a good way to switch between different views and different applications that are open at any given time. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty like, it's a pretty powerful thing for the iPad. Now it's worth mentioning. I haven't had, an, I haven't had a new iPad in a really long time. The last iPad I bought was I think an iPad air two, which was in 2014 or 2015, probably weird right around the time that you stopped having to professionally deal with iPads all the time. It's a, what a weird coincidence, but, but it turned out like I missed having, like I was, I, I read, I, I read comics and I miss reading comics. I like iPad is an amazing device to read comics, especially with like the, all you can eat $30 a year subscriptions to Marvel and DC and all that kind of stuff. Right? Sure. Yeah. I, I know I've said it before, but the, the iPad for me is 99% just a consumption device. Like it's mm -hmm. just a lighter thing without a keyboard. It's, you know, it's just a lighter version of a laptop with a keyboard that I can just read Twitter and news on websites and, and like, you know. Yeah. Watching YouTube videos like it's yeah. So um, so I bought the 256 gig model. I bought the pencil and I bought the magic keyboard, which all in was like basically the same price as a good ass MacBook, like the 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 cheap MacBook, the good MacBook Air, the cheap MacBook Pro. That's sounds like $1,300. Right. Yeah, that's about an air. I think that's about where the air starts or something like that. The air starts at around a grand or eleven hundred bucks. Oh, usually. Wow, and is, then, it, is it that cheap? But, wow. it, but 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 they do the normal thing that they do because so looking at it. 128 gig model is not enough, right? Like you need, you need more space. Cause I, I did want to be able to like load some movies on it when I was on the airplane and, and stuff like that. So, um, it weighs about a pound without the keyboard. It weighs more with the keyboard, but when, when I have the keyboard on it, I kind of don't care cause it's sitting on something, right? I'm not carrying it. I'm not holding it. Uh, the battery life is my normal use is that I, I use it for 30 minutes or an hour before bed or like in the evening sitting on the couch. And I usually charge it at most twice a week, maybe usually okay. once a week. Wow. That's pretty good. It plugs into the PD fast charge port on my front of my computer. That's where I charge it. And it charges like an hour or two wow. from, from nothing to full. Do you, um, do you, do you trust the high speed PD charging? I've, I've, I've seen some FUD kind of floating around uh, that it's like maybe not great for battery longevity, specifically it, for heat reasons. I don't know. I feel like they, like Apple's gotten to the point now where, like they slow down, like my, your AirPods slow down when you get to 80% now. So, right. 
you know, I assume that they're doing what they can to maximize the the charge cycles. Yeah, my 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 this MacBook, this M1 MacBook Pro, occasionally, like frequently, not all the time, but frequently, will stop charging at eighty percent and just yeah. sit. Yeah. Um, the, the AirPods just stop charging at eighty percent often because right, they right. know that I'm going to plug them back in. Yeah, that's man, like the just the the charging logic that they have gotten into lately is kind of a whole topic unto itself. We, like the the, the green charging window stuff that I don't think we've really talked about since they rolled it out. I assume you've oh. seen that. I haven't seen that. But like the, it was a big hubbub because it was a whole bunch of people just going like, like you're you're not going to take away my charging freedom. Like fuck oh, you, no. big big brother, Apple. The idea is essentially the device. I don't know where it's pulling the data from, but it, it's able to know when the power on the grid is being generated by green sources. Oh, and, and it'll essentially will only it'll limit itself to only charging when it knows that it's pulling green energy or renewable energy. Huh. And of course, a lot of people got mad about that, but. Oh, yeah, I have that turned on. I didn't know that. I hadn't seen that at all. That was the big headline was, hey, they're shipping this iOS update with that enabled. It may, I mean, it makes sense. It's like I charge my car from midnight until right. 3 p.m. because it's cheaper for yeah. me. It's yeah. like a, there's a financial incentive to do that. Yeah. Hey, actually, you know, the Xbox did the same thing like two months yeah. ago. They also pulled out that feature that causes it to only wake up and pull updates at, uh, in those kinds of windows. And of course, there's there's Ted Cruz right on cue going. They're trying to take your Xbox from you. I mean, it makes sense. It makes like I I like spending less for electricity. It turns out, yeah. who knew? Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, the the it does use a fair amount of battery when it's just idle. Like if I don't use it for a few days, I'll come back and it'll be down fifteen percent or ten percent, whatever. I I don't know. It's I probably have stuff running in the background. Yeah. If I leave the um the fancy multitasking on the stage manager stuff on, it it tends to eat more. Even uh, even asleep. I, it's hard to say, but if I feel like it, I feel like that impacts battery life. Um, the, uh, the camera is real nice. Okay. Like it has this, it has the, the, the fancy wide angle camera. So when you're FaceTiming someone, you can walk around in, in like a 160 field degree field of view in front of it and it'll just track you. Uh, so, so I set it up on the stand on the dining room table while we're eating breakfast and FaceTime my parents sometimes. Okay. Like it, it switches back and forth between my daughter and I are sitting next to each other talking. Wow. Yeah. When you're talking. Yeah. Like it's, it's capable of telling. I wonder if it's doing that on on sound. I think it's it's kind of like we're right on the edges of the thing. So it it picks up. I think it's, I think it's picking up. I think it's picking up whose face is in more because I usually lean in a little bit. Oh, I see. It's not, it's not a who's talking no, it, it does. a if, if we're close enough, it does a really good job framing us both. OK, if it if we're like right on the edges, it it switches to whichever edge it thinks okay. is most relevant. I, I thought you meant it was actively tracking who's talking and focusing them because that would be kind of next level. I don't know if they probably would do some kind of facial tracking to. I mean, yeah, they should be able to do that because they can try yeah. to see whether your mouth, whether your lips right. are flapping. Right. Um. The the rear camera has the LIDAR scanner, which is really neat. Uh, you can use it like I've used it with Scandi to scan rooms, which is which is like super fun. I did a couple of head scans, but I don't have a model who will sit still enough to to actually scan the, their head. Um, but it it gives it generates the big point cloud and then you can export that to become an FBX or whatever. Um, so the keyboard, the magic keyboard's interesting. Like I, I was I, I literally. I, I talked to you about this before I bought it, but I was like, I'm going to buy this. I think I'm probably going to send it back and buy a Logitech one after I use it for 12 days. Right. It's really good. Like it's super good. It's, 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 it's I don't know, stiff enough that you can set it on your, like I can sit it on my lap with my legs crossed and type comfortably. 
Uh, the, the key action feels nice. It's got a good travel on the keys. They're a little bit big and chicklety, but like they, they generally feels pretty good. And it's got this, the hinge on it is this like it, it like folds out halfway up the, up the thing. Oh, wow. So you get the right angle when it's sitting on your lap or when it's sitting on a table or whatever. It's most comfortable sitting on a table. If you're sitting on your lap, it's fine. I used it on the airplane a few weeks ago. It was no problem. Um, which is unusual for me because I'm pretty wide, like I have wide shoulders. So being able to use a laptop on the airplane is 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 not not always the case. Um, and I was able to watch it like I, it also is a really lovely stand for if you want to watch a movie or something and just don't want to have to hold the iPad while you're doing that. I don't know if we can maybe people can Google photos. It's kind of, I don't know if we can explain exactly what is going on there verbally, but but I was, I was going to ask. So it's it's kind of a stand that extends up from the keyboard and sort of elevates the iPad where it's the, the, the base of the iPad is not connected to the keyboard anymore. Yeah, so it has a hinge on one side. The iPad magnets onto that back piece, like it just it just snaps on like the MagSafe connector, and um, you you uh, about a third of the way up the back of the iPad, there's another hinge that folds out, and basically the 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 back hinge points straight up, and then that hinge pivots back a little bit, so you get like a nice you get the right angle basically for it. But then the iPad overlaps the top of the keyboard just a little bit. Yeah. The bottom of it does. So it's kind of it's kind of like the the iPad is sort of floating above the keyboard. Is is there is there any sort of tension in that hinge where you can adjust the angle, or is that angle fixed? You can adjust it a little bit. It's okay. not it's not like you can't adjust the you, the the main hinge. You can't adjust too much. The one that tilts up and down, you can adjust a little bit. Okay. Um, and then there's a USB-C on that on that hinge as well that you can plug into. So if you want to use it like a weird janky dock, you totally can and just leave your power plugged into that when you're sitting at your desk or whatever. Is that separate from the USB-C on the iPad itself? There are two now. Then you have two USB-Cs is my understanding. I haven't actually tried that. OK, that's cool. Um, the, uh, the the weird thing we can talk about USB-C in a minute because it's 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 a little bit it's a little bit screwy. Um, the the. The weird thing about using iOS with a physical keyboard, which I haven't done in a really long time, is that it turns out there's a lot of stuff that that is like lives between the on-screen keyboard and the the content window on phones and iPads these days. Like your password manager stuff all shows up in that in that gap, right? When you when you're in a password field, that lives in a little pop-up. Uh like there's a keyboard pop-up. And if you're in if you're not in stage manager, it works great because it just gives you like a little bar that kind of floats toward the bottom of the screen that has like whatever the context sensitive stuff is, whether it's the the type ahead prediction or the autocorrect, uh, like the three autocorrect words it often gives you or the password manager prompts. Uh, that stuff is a little bit there. If you're in stage manager, you you don't get password prompts. So you have to actually open up your password manager window and copy and paste from there. And it kind of sucks. Like it's not a great, it's not a great solution for seems that. Like an odd limitation, but I, it, it, honestly, it seems like the kind of thing that somebody just didn't. Yeah. Hasn't caught of. yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- th- it still has that pop up there. Still has the little floaty thing, but when you hit it, it pops up the full screen keyboard instead of just the, just the partial. Um, they don't give you control over the keyboard backlight, which I don't huh. get. I, I'm not so I mean, sure about it, that. It turns out it's fine because it's a pretty you can you so you can when it's on you can dim and brighten it. 
Okay. But when it's not on, you can't turn it on and off manually. It only turns oh. on and off when it's based on the darkness of the room. That may be the case on the, on the MacBook Pros now, actually. They definitely took away the physical keys for adjusting the brightness of the keyboard backlight. Mm. You have to do it through system settings. And oh, you, you can't can, do a function key anymore? You used uh, to no. do like function F3 and F4 or 5 no, and 6. No, those are, those are not now top, part of the top row, unfortunately. Oh, of um, oh, and they took away the touch bar, which is where that stuff lived before yes, that, right? Yes. Although, frankly, fine with me. I don't miss the touch bar. I never had a t- I, I never had a touch bar MacBook. I, I feel like I missed out for a, for for a hot minute for for about the first year of the pandemic. I had a work laptop that had the touch bar. Uh, I can't remember. Mine might have had at least the physical escape key. I can't remember. Yeah, you said you had the physical escape. I think key, that's right. I, I think that's right. I did not enjoy that touch bar though. Uh, so so the the place the keyboard breaks down for me is the trackpad huh. is a, it's inconsistent and I think it's based on the app the choices the app developers make not necessarily the hardware like the hardware is fine it works like you get it, it, it responds just like you would expect from a glass trackpad on yeah. your macbook does, does it does it feel essentially like that kind of standard magic it's it's trackpad? fast and cool when you click it, it, it and i think it actually has a physical clicker it doesn't have the taptic stuff underneath it but but other than that um it, it feels good you can do multi-touch with it it's inconsistent in apps how it works so for example if you try to click and drag to select text in Google docs, which doesn't support the, which, which, so if you, if you try to click and select text in say notes, Apple notes works fine. If you click and try to select text in, in Google docs, it treats it like a single finger press, which in Google docs does not do a tap, a, a select. It like grabs whatever the word that it's under and moves it. Um, the multi-touch stuff is supported kind of inconsistently in the app. Sometimes it, it, it generally, if it doesn't work the way you expect it to, it's because it thinks you're doing multi-tap on the screen. So you, you have to like in your head, know that Google docs is a multi-tap multi is a, is a, is a screen app and Apple stuff is all, uh, uh, you know, knows that it's a, a touchpad and treats it accordingly. Um, I often just touch the screen instead of the trackpad. And because of the way the camber on the, on the, on the screen works, it's fine. Like I, I think that. So having used it for a while, I think if this keyboard didn't have the trackpad, it would be fine. I, I would actually be fine with, I would, I would pay a hundred bucks less and not have the trackpad happily. Huh. Interesting. It still needs that space on there so that there's so it counter so it balances the cantilever on the right. on the screen on the iPad. Um and also I don't think realistically that they can sell a, a, a an expensive ass keyboard attachment for this thing that doesn't have a trackpad on it without people getting pissed off. Do you think that inconsistency with the with the kind of use of the trackpad and stuff? Do you think is that like some companies just not giving this the proper UX attention because this is still kind of an emerging market segment or style of workflow. Or do you think it's more like people like companies like Google are paying attention? They just have different ideas about how this type of thing should work. I, um, it almost feels to me like it's the third option, which is that like there's multiple APIs okay. for interfacing with touch and oh, that some people are using old ones and some people are using new ones. Mm, that's the worst, especially um, like I, I know that feeling well if you use like a lot of, for example, like GUI application, open source GUI stuff in Windows, you know, you're yep. running into like 800 different window drawing oh. libraries and yeah. Stuff like I that. Love an ancient GTK. That's my favorite. Right. It's like, oh, copy paste doesn't work in this the way you would expect it to. 
Yeah, it's it's um like it's like and and then there it is a little bit weird. Firefox is generally okay, but sometimes it just gets stuck in finger mode, and like I don't know, I don't know why that happens. So, like it, it's this is essentially this second generation that they've given you a real trackpad. I think on the on the Magic Keyboard, so it, it could just be that it's. Like I think this is the stuff that the Mac people are complaining about, frankly. Real, real quick before we move on from the keyboard, I know I know you said it sits just fine in your lap. I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious how that works. Like, is it just a nice broad flat surface on the bottom? Like, like I find even with my my 14 inch. Okay, you're you're holding it up right now. Even, yeah. Even with my even my 14 inch MacBook Pro, I still like having a lap desk under it because it's just. Maybe, maybe, maybe I spread too much. Like it doesn't yeah, you sit, might, you might sprawl. It, it, I, I, it doesn't sit on my lap super well with the, with the width of the thing. I kind of need a broader surface underneath it. I had it kind of canny, canted on one leg with like okay. the corner balanced on my cross leg last Inter- night. And it's fine. Okay. Like, interesting. I, like, so, so my, my lap for this is usually a recliner or a sofa. So like I'll sit on the sofa with my legs propped up okay. and then, then my legs are maybe a little more stable. Like sure. my legs are definitely not leaning down. Okay. My legs are level or tilted up. Sure. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. Kind of leaning down like on a couch is exactly where I'm at. Yeah. Usually, it, so. Like if you're, if I was sitting on the couch, I probably wouldn't, it's probably not as good. I did use it at the, at the, at the airport gate sitting in the waiting for the plane though. So, uh, and that was fine. Um, you want to talk about the pencil? Yeah. I think the, the <laughs> just I'm laughing at your, the first line of these notes under pencil. But my handwriting isn't good enough to take notes with the pencil. Yes, it's harsh, but fair. I, I, I would probably be in the same place. I look, I, I, I never once got complimented on my handwriting my entire <laughs> life. Nobody's ever been like, man, you did. Uh, hey, that is completely legible and something that a normal human would create as it's, as. Yeah. It's just because you've got so much to say, you don't have time to make it pretty. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching here. <laughs> look, my, my mom my mom used to think that I thought I should go to medical school because the guidance counselor was like, your handwriting is so bad. You, mm. the only thing you can do yep. is be a doctor. That, that is a prerequisite. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I haven't tried good notes. Uh, so, so, okay. So for writing, I gave up on handwriting with the pencil almost immediately. It's not, that's not, it's not going to work for me. It's not, not going to be my jam. Uh, it will do handwriting recognition, including like, cursive and the weird like part cursive part block text that we all use now sure um it and and i i was shocked at how well it did even with my bad handwriting for that still way 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 faster to type yeah than, i mean for, at least for me like literally any amount of inaccuracy is probably too much like if, if you're if you're having to correct any errors it's probably too yeah. slow to be yeah. better than typing and i can type 120 words a minute yeah. and i can yeah. write it about 30 so sure. Um, the, the other thing is that the dictation is ridiculously good. I don't know if you've used that lately, but on the, on the, on the devices with the neural chip, it is like, it is offensive how reliable (laughs) it is. It even gets like weird lingo words and like brands and stuff like that, that normally it would, it would choke on. Okay. Um, uh, it didn't get yeet because I think yeet is probably too new for it to understand what a, what a yeeting is. Good getting Merriam Webster on the phone. That's got to go in any year. Now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or Oxford. But uh, so, so I guess my my point is, I I would if I was in a situation where handwriting, where typing isn't available, and I had a lot of stuff that I had to get in quickly, I would probably just talk it to it at this point rather than try to handwrite or sure. or screen type. Sure, unless um, you're at the airport gate, and then. No, then I'm yelling at it. I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, Siri. Give me the. Ah. 
anyway, um, sorry for the yelling and the cursing children. Uh, the, the pencil, uh, like the lift detection and the pickup detection and all that, it detects really far from the screen. It's like, it's like an, a half an inch from the screen, probably like to take actual input. Like it, like you can write without contacting the screen or is it more just moving a cursor at that distance? Well, so it gives you, it lets you, it gives you really precise. It's how the precise control over the cursor works with the separation from the, from the screen and the, and the, um, the, the digitizer. So, you know, like, like the, the parallax between the top of the screen and the, the, the bottom, the, the screen under the glass and the top of the glass is one of the things that makes it hard to know precisely where your line is going to go when you're drawing and stuff right. like that. And because it shows you exactly where that's going to be as you're approaching, your brain just makes it work. Like your brain fixes huh. whatever, whatever parallax and adjusts for it immediately it is it is super duper good. That's cool. Wow. Um, uh, it's, it's the it, little things that you don't like, think about. It is literally a thing that I never would have considered, right? But it completely solves the problem with every not not uh, not powered stylus I've used in the past. Yeah. Can I, um, can I can I ask real quick since we're talking about touching the pencil to the iPad right now? Yeah. What is the tip of the pencil made out of, and how does that feel? Like just the the thought of I'm sure it's some space age frictionless material or something, but the thought of dragging a pointing device around across a piece of glass all the time just kind of makes me cringe. So it's like a hard plasticky stuff. Okay. It's like a, it's not like hard, hard. It's not like Delrin hard. It's not like a really hard plastic, but it's definitely a, a firmer plastic. It feels okay. Just on the glass. It, it tends to leave. So it's not leaving marks, but what it is doing is highlighting the finger grease that's on your mm. screens all the time. Mm-hmm. Cause it makes stripes through the finger grease when oh, you're sketching. Good. Um, I solved this problem by spending $10 on a paper surface screen protector oh. that makes it feel like, uh, like just writing on, on paper. Oh, wow. Um, what does that, what does that do to the, the look of the screen? I mean, or is that, it's a little more matte giving it. Yeah. Yeah. And like you can hear, is that coming? I don't think that's coming through. I hear it. I don't, I don't know if it'll, hopefully it'll be on the yeah. record. Yeah. That kind of sounds like paper. It, it sounds like it feel it more importantly, it feels like paper. So it gives you the kind of drag that you get when you're, when you're sketching on paper. Sure. And it doesn't feel slidey like the glass on the, on the, on the nub did. Huh. Um, for, for me, I've been okay. Like the, the matteness of the, of the surface is, is okay with me. Like it's not, it's not, it's, it's weird, but not terrible. That's, that's cool. I mean, that's that's another one of that's that's another one of those. They thought of everything kind of things of like just just like with the the cursor tracking between the class and the LCD or is yeah, it OLED just, now? I think so. Yeah. Um, stuff um, like that. Just the little details like that, though. It's like I never would have thought of that stuff, but they did. Well, to be clear, the screen protector was a third party thing. Oh, yeah, I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. But so, still, just the, the fact that that's even available is is yeah, that's cool. The the bummer of the screen protector is that I feel like the paper it it protects from scratches pretty well, but it is pretty thin and papery. Like I don't think it would actually absorb and drop impact or whatever. So you know, still have to be careful. The iPad glass is thick enough that I'm less worried about cracking an iPad screen than I am, say, a phone or a watch or something like that. Sure. Um, tapping the side of the pencil like lets you change mode so like in in procreate i have it set to change between whatever brush i'm currently using and the eraser um uh it charges you kind of magnet it onto the side of the ipad and it just holds there and charges uh in about like 10 minutes i think 15 minutes to get from zero to 100 that's not so bad like 
in like a minute, you have like 20 minutes of use or something oh, like great. that. Okay. I was going to ask if battery life had ever been an issue, but that's if you can, if you can use it with a moment, like one minute's notice, regardless, that's fine. Yeah. Like often my daughter will say, Hey, can I use your iPad and draw? And I'll say, yeah. And then I realize the pencil is dead and I'll say, well, give me five minutes. And then she's, she's good for the entire session. Sure. Uh, the, you're talking about touching on it. Does it have any mm-hmm. physical buttons or is that all sort of capacitive, just like passive seamless it's, touch? It's completely sealed except, um, the, you can take the tip, you can replace the tips obviously, cause they wear down over time. Um, so there's no buttons, there's nothing on it. The, uh, there's a motion accelerometer in it that does the tapping. So you just kind of like, it's like, it's like idly tapping on the side of a pencil with huh, two fingers. Okay. You just boom, boom. And, and it, and it switches back and forth. I think there's, I think there's some accessibility options to let you do more, more things with that. If you want to do like a triple tap, but two taps, it turns out is enough for me. Um, the pressure sensitivity is really good. I, I'm not obviously not an artist, um, but I have used like Cintiqs and stuff like that in the past. And it feels comparable to that. The limitation on the 11 inch iPad is mainly screen size. I think because 11 inches it's basically like a, an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Um, it's a little small, like, like, you, like you kind of want, like, it's not, it's not small. Uh, the actual writing space isn't small, but like, I want there to be more flush area off the side of the screen that I can rest my hand on while I'm working on the edges of the, of the, of the paper. I, that's kind of countered by being able to zoom in and out. Um, so, you know, it, it, it seems, it seems, um, it, it seems good. And the pressure sensitivity is, is a little variable based on the app you're using. Like some apps handle it differently. Um, I, I tend to use procreate and Adobe fresco to draw mostly both of which are quite good. Um, the, 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 there's a couple of painting apps that I've kind of messed around with. I tried good notes a little bit, but it doesn't have an export to windows. So it wasn't really a viable note taking solution for me. Um, or it doesn't have a, it has, there's no windows version. So I can't like access my notes easily. And that I'm taking the iPad and windows. Um, I, I tried a ton of note taking apps that are cross platform. I think we should do a whole episode on those at some yeah. point because it's, it's a, like, it's a neat space and it's really complicated and nothing is perfect. Um, the, we ended up using, I think I ended up using notion, but that's mostly because we're going to use it at work. Okay. Not because of like uh i i i like notion a lot there it, it does not integrate particularly well with the ability to draw on the ipad yeah we should we should do that once i get past this pc build and have a new workstation in here i'm probably also going to look for something along those lines yeah it turns out having like a dedicated place that's on your phone like having a bucket into which to put notes that lives on your phone and your laptop and your and your computer yeah. is handy it turns out something that is just seamlessly across everything i have and cannot you can just refer to it without thinking it seems extremely handy yeah um so we talked about multitasking already yes. i think nothing else to do there uh the other stuff i do is i read comics i have i signed up for marvel unlimited when it was on sale at on at christmas or black friday or something and um uh, i've been reading 30 years of marvel stuff that i never looked at before it's friggin' awesome yeah, like it's I'm, such a good way to read comics for, forgive me did you mention what size screen you got i got the 12 the 11 the, the 11 the, inch oh the, the smaller one the smaller one okay. yeah i didn't i i I was more in, I like I my thought process on that I went to the store and actually held both of them before I made the choice. My thought process on that is that the big one is too heavy is heavier than I want to hold comfortably and like this is a 90% using at home, 10% using out and about and I wanted I wanted it to be best for that home 
even though the 12 and a half, the, the 12.9 inch screen would maybe be better for, for drawing. And, yeah. and when I was out. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think I've held one of the 13 inch pros, but just even seeing them in person, like it seems like, it seems like the extra real estate would be great when you need it, but kind of cumbersome when you don't. It, 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 it really seems like, Hey, I want to be able to draw on this thing. Yeah. And everything else is secondary like, to that. Like you probably are using that professionally, like 99% of the time to need that space, right? I, I would kind of assume so. Yeah. I think it also has a better aspect ratio for film, but I'm not sure yes. about that. Yeah. I'll, I'll mention right now, I was going to, we touched on this earlier with like potential sort of film industry applications. If any, if anybody uses tablets like this in kind of what, what I consider like very hardcore creative fields, like, like film production or fine art or yeah. You name it for architecture. I don't know. Like I, I would love to hear if people who are listening, who work in those kinds of disciplines are, are moving to this style of hybrid kind of tablet detachable sort the, of thing. The thing I've, my understanding is that people do use these for cataloging. Like when you're on a shoot and you have cards coming in with your, with your footage on it, this is one of the ways that people use to catalog, um, catalog footage and, and, and index it and get it on the backups and all that before they cycle the cards back out to the, to the, to the shoot. Sure. Um, but that, that's, that's more on like, not, that's not film scale. That's, or, or, or even like prestige TV. That's like really high end YouTube or sure. low end, like reality TV stuff is sure. my understanding. Sure. I even wonder, like, are there applications for, uh, like say mounting one of these to a camera? Like, can it, can it, yeah. like, I'm, I'm curious about any sort of like, slightly more esoteric or DIY uses of these things. Well, so that's one of the things I didn't do is you like the, the USB C port on this is actually a Thunderbolt three or four port. Like it's a USB okay. four Thunderbolt three, I think. Okay. Um, so you can connect like a dock to it. You can connect a monitor to it and it'll work. It'll it, it's a full ass. You can put a full ass second screen on this thing. Right. Um, I, I, I haven't tried that cause I don't have a monitor that would work with. I don't think I have a Thunderbolt monitor. That's a, like my Thunderbolt monitor is a Thunderbolt one monitor. I don't think it works with that anymore. Um, or I'd have to get some screwy like USB C to display port cable, I think in order for it to work. But um, it, it's like, like it's, it's got weird. There's, you can do weird stuff with this thing that I like, you can plug it into a Thunderbolt dock that then plugs into a, like a, like a giant raid array for the aforementioned f footage cataloging, stuff like that. Um, and it's not like you're dealing with a phone lightning USB three, like slow USB three, not fast USB 3.1, uh, uh, data throughput for like transferring stuff on and off. It's, it's fast. Um, I could theoretically plug my audio interface into this and record a podcast with mm. it in GarageBand. That's like literally the last thing in these notes here. Things I haven't done recorded a podcast. Yeah. It kind of scares me because I don't know that iOS will let me like I would have to use a different I wouldn't be able to monitor because I'd have to use a different pair of headphones to talk to you on the Zoom call than I was using to to talk on the on the on the on the podcast. Yeah. So I, I like being able to monitor myself. Yes, absolutely. I'm also sitting here trying to think like what kind of redundancy could you set up there? Like not much. Trying, yeah, like I I I'm sure you're the same. Like I wouldn't want to attempt that unless there was also some kind of backup recording running. And I'm not sure how you would do that because at the end of the day, it is still an iPad and it's not probably not going to let you run two separate applications and record. on. So both. the way, the way my audio chain is set up, I could hook the audio interface that I use on my 
desktop PC, my main desktop PC, which is a Motu M4. I could plug that into the USB-C port and then pipe the microphone out from that into the big mixer on my streaming PC and then record on the streaming PC. Yeah, It would be a fair amount of work. Yeah. And I don't know that I care that much. I, that's kind of the bigger thing is like all your other recording gear is already rooted to a desk anyway. You might as well use the big machine that's also sitting at the desk. Like, yeah, there's not much benefit to doing it on an iPad, I guess. The, the better, I mean, the benefit is I'm, I'm traveling next week. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if you're out of town, I, that's different. I could have taken my a headset and my audio interface and theoretically, like the thing I haven't tried, and I should have done this beforehand, I apologize, is I haven't tried doing like a Zoom call on the iPad and having GarageBand running at the same time recording. Interesting, yeah. Because um, theoretically, stage managers should let me do that, but I I, I, I have not tried it yet. Um, uh, But I do, I do... Like almost all the show notes that I've written since I've gotten this have been written on the pot on, on this because I it's nice to sit in the living room and not do this in the office that I spend 10 hour 10 or 15 hours a day in. Sure. Um, I've run a bunch of presentations on it. Um, I, I play games pretty much every day. Like I because we have Apple TV and Apple Music, we also and data from them. We also get Apple Arcade for free, basically. And I play a bunch of Apple Arcade. There's a, it turns out Apple Arcade is a pretty good solution for playing games on your iOS device without having to deal with a bunch of free to play nonsense. Sure. So sure. Um, and that's it. Sounds, that's, sounds, that's, sounds, yeah. yeah. Sounds like a successful experiment so far. Like I, I think a laptop would be more like it's definitely not as capable as a laptop like that. That is even an M2, even, even looking at what's possible especially now that all of the apps that I use are their M2 versions for Mac OS. Like undoubtedly I would have had a more capable device if I bought the MacBook. However, I wouldn't be able to draw on it, which like there's something it's really lovely. And it's my drawing has gotten my, even my basic like pencil sketching has gotten so much better since I got, since I got procreate and I started doing reference layers. So I'll take an image of something that I want to learn how to draw and I'll put it in a reference layer and then kind of fade that out and then just sketch on top of the, that reference, almost like I'm drawing on onion skin or something like that. And it's taught me more about shading and and how to do like wh- what I should focus on, what I shouldn't focus on than anything I've done in the 40 years preceding in my in being a bad drawer. <laughs> so, cool. yeah, like I couldn't do that on a laptop. Yeah, I could. I could have done it on a surface, I guess, but different, different situation. Sure. I mean, the thing I'll say, I, I love this M1 MacBook Pro. It is the best laptop I've ever owned by a fair margin. I still only use it when I have to, honestly, like I still, I still only use it when I can't do what I need to do on anything else. Like if I'm just lounging and I just want to look at Twitter or whatever, like it's, I'm still on my six year old iPad Pro because there's just a, there's a, there's a clunkiness factor to a laptop that, that you are avoiding. Yeah. And, and because the iOS stuff is better at the maintenance, you know, like you get an update, I get an OS update every couple of months, every month or so, I guess. But then the apps just kind of update quietly in the background without me really having to do anything. And I don't have the, Hey, here's 10 things you have to update every time I turn on the computer because I don't use it frequently enough. Removing that entire layer of friction on a work device. I mean, I can see the appeal there for sure. It's it's pretty nice, it turns out. Um, so that'll do it for us. Uh, apologies again for the all Apple episode. I know some people don't really like that. <laughs> uh, you know, like uh, some of the stuff like is like uh, at least very broadly from 10,000 feet applicable to 
you know, Chromebooks, surfaces, like the, that whole style of device seems to be going this direction of like, it's mostly a tablet, but now it's kind of a laptop. They, they plug together, they detach, like you can kind of use it in a bunch of different contexts. Like it just kind of seems like where the mobile work space is going, not the, not the mobile, you know, like entertainment and stuff like that, but professional mobile stuff seems like it's going this way. So hopefully, hopefully yeah, this is useful to everybody. It's, it's a weird it's a weird situation because like a lot of this lives and dies based on the applications that are available. And I feel like Apple, like w- w- windows is its own kind of weird thing. Cause they're like, you can definitely, like you can run full ass Photoshop. I mean, there is a version of Photoshop you can run on this. I've run a, I have affinity photo and affinity publisher and affinity designer on my laptop. I mean, on my, my iPad, I use them a lot. Right. And it's the same versions that are on my windows machine, which is fantastic. Yeah. The place that the iPad really breaks down for me as a Windows primary computer user is that a lot of the very, very best like, hey, we won the Apple Design Award bullshit apps don't have Windows counterparts because they're 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 by developers who live only in the Mac, uh, the Apple ecosystem. Right. And and like that's where GoodNotes breaks down for me. Like GoodNotes is incredible. It's really, really neat. I would absolutely pay ten dollars for that. No hesitation. Except. There's no path for from good notes on my iPad to good notes on a PC. Um, there, there are a handful of note taking apps. There's this thing called um, craft that's quite good and it does have windows versions. It, it's like, it's kind of splits the difference between notion and, and good notes. Um, but it's not as good at taking text notes as notion is. So notion as a primary text note taker, notion probably wins for me. Yeah. Last thing I just want to mention real quick. We don't need to derail. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll touch on this later. I did not realize Microsoft is doing its own arm CPUs now. I mean, I don't know who's actually designing them, but yeah, they have, they have SOCs. Yeah. This, this surface pro nine, if you look at the specs, it says it has a Microsoft SQ three processor in it. And like, I, I know I you've been seeing more about windows on arm lately, but I would have, I would have assumed any arm Microsoft device was like a Qualcomm of some kind. Uh, Oh, actually, okay. I'm looking here. It, it is. I think it is a Qualcomm, isn't it? The SQ3 is based on a Snapdragon design, actually. Yeah, uh, but they are at least like branding them the CPUs for uh, the, as their own now. Well, so that's kind of an interesting move. I think they're in the position that Apple was before they started designing their whole their SOCs from scratch, where they're like taking the off the shelf stuff and adding more GPU capability to it, or machine learning, or you know, whatever it is they feel like is important. They're jamming right. on there, right? Um. So anyway. Uh, I like, I, I don't know that this is an approach that's right for everyone, but I'm quite happy with it with, with my choices so far. So yeah. ask me again in a year. Sounds quite functional. And on that note, I guess it's time to wrap up the show. That's right. This is the portion of the show where we thank our patrons. Yeah, thank you. Page our patrons keep this show quite functional. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, patrons. We do appreciate you. Um, and uh, if you would like to find out how to support uh, the tech pod, which is 100% listener supported, you can go to uh patreon.com slash tech pod again that's patreon.com slash tech pod just one more time patreon.com slash tech pod that's right the magic three yeah you gotta say it three times Mm -hmm. i'm not as good as the radio ads people are um but uh we uh like to thank all of our patrons but especially our executive producer tier patrons including nick johnston paddle creek games makers of fractured veil andrew slosky octothorpe betwixt jobs crimes hell yeah uh, I don't know. I think it was in my video game Discord, but but Bunny Fiend posted some golf ball sized hail Whoa. that landed in those storms in the Midwest yesterday. Yikes! 
It was it was it was a lot. Uh, Just Wedge, thank you, Just Wedge. Joel Krauska, Twinkle Twinkie, David Allen, and James Kamek, thank you all so so much. Yes, we appreciate everybody's support. We do because um, it lets us do the show and it gives me a good excuse to talk to my friend Brad every week, which which I love. That's yeah, that's a nice thing to have. Yeah. Yeah, should everybody have people have pe- have people giving you money to hang out with your friends? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I hope everybody has a good good week, and we will be back next. Oh, wait, I'm traveling next week, so we're going to do something oh, different next week. Yes, we will have a new episode. We will have a new episode. We will have a new episode of something of something maybe a little different. Uh-huh. See you all then. Yeah.